The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. So now we want to commence with our traditional first of year process of going back to the basics. This year being six messages rather than our usual four, an opportunity for us to dive into the basic principles that make this teaching so phenomenally powerful and to deepen in them so that we live them more fully. We walk and live and breathe them and we become the change that we seek for our lives and for our world. So if you are new to this teaching or our community, my heart leaps for joy. I welcome you. I know what this teaching has done for me over so many years, brought me into a bigger person than I ever could have conceived of uh, in, my, in my teens, and, and brought forth more within me. And it keeps leading me, keeps guiding me in, into to newness in, in my life. And, and I know that whatever your longing is, whether you're a, a newbie here amongst us or a veteran, I know that whether it's a pain that you're seeking to really heal uh, so that you can move forward, or it's a longing, or, or an intuitive sense that something's beckoning, I just invite you to throw open your whole being to these principles, not just learning them intellectually, but taking them into your heart so, so that the potential can truly unfold for you as I know it can. So welcome, welcome, welcome to that. Now, uh, we have a powerful theme for this year, and it is rising above, spiritual basics for toxic, troubling times. You know, I think that one of the, the great characteristics of the science of mind and spirit is, the, is that it is gleaned from the best in philosophy, uh, science, and spirituality, and designed so that we don't just hang out in magical thinking, but that we engage these principles in our lives day by day in a consistent way that produces tremendous results. These spiritual basics are profoundly relevant to what's going on in these times. And, and they are meant to be applied in every area of one's life. So our spirituality is something that's generalized to all of our life to uplift and to expand it in a beautiful and a powerful way. We're so much not about dogma, but about practice and engaging these principles. Because, you know, dogma can be a kind of a stuck place, if you let it be. Somebody quipped that it's hard to teach an old dogma new tricks. And, and <laughs> I find that to be very, 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 very true. As Reverend Joshua mentioned in his beautiful opening prayer, our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes... He wrote, we are forerunners in a campaign of spiritual freedom, intellectual integrity, and emotional stability in a spiritual world. It is our privilege to take part in a new spiritual renaissance. And I believe that's what's afoot. And he also added, the religion of the future will appear when religion gets over its superstition, science gets over its materialism, And philosophy gets over its duality. And indeed, then, our goal for this series, and I believe my goal for this whole year for us, if we're willing to dive into that, the goal would be to 
not just further understand these teachings, but take them into our hearts, take them into radical expression, own and embody them so fully so that we can be a part of this spiritual renaissance, first in our own lives and then rippling out into our world and into our community. And what a beautiful thing that is. So we're going to be rising above. We're going to be addressing some of the very obvious challenges and energies that are afoot uh, in our culture and in our world during this series so that we can rise above and bring forth something more. But I, I really want to very quickly hear, have you hear this, that rising above is not turning away. There's nothing in this that calls us to deny what is going on. In fact, denying what's going on in one's life or in the world is a very counterproductive strategy. So we don't want to deny it. I know I hear some students say to me, you know, I've, I, I don't read the newspapers anymore. I refuse to know anything about the news or anything like that. And, then, you know, that might be a reasonable strategy if you're really strengthening your life. But ultimately, don't we want a spirituality that can stand in the fire of what's going on, that can face what is going on and bring forth new gifts to that? We don't do that if we just turn our face. And, and don't engage in them. So we want to, want to be present to what is. I think Marianne Williamson puts this so very well. If you're looking at the world and not grieving, then you're not conscious. But if you're looking at the world and not rejoicing in the miraculous possibilities for healing it, then you're spiritually immature. And what's so good about that is she's saying, we have to do both. We have to be present to what is, both in our lives and in the world, and at the same time have a vision of possibility. And I'll speak more of that as we uh, go on. So to lay the, the groundwork for what we're about today, I, I want to just touch on two key truths that are elemental, fundamental uh, to this science of mind and spirit. And the first one is oneness. Now, we declare oneness revealed every Sunday as our vision. Let's delve into that a little bit. Oneness. It is the realization born of the ancient mysticisms and ageless wisdom of spirituality, as well as some of the latest revelations of modern science and other way showers. It is the realization that there is an infinite, ultimate, creative source of all life. And that an infinite love intelligence births all of life. That this invisible reality produces all visible form and all life expressions. So out of the one comes the many and comes the multiplicity of all life forms. Our founder put it this way. The study of the science of mind and spirit is a study of first cause, spirit, mind, or that invisible essence, that ultimate stuff and intelligence from which everything comes the power back of creation and he just called it the thing itself and then later on when he wrote a wonderful document called what we believe a sort of a declaration of our principles he said we believe in god the living spirit almighty one indestructible absolute and self-existent cause this one manifests itself in and through all creation, but is not absorbed by its creation. 
The manifest universe is the body of God. It is the logical and necessary outcome of the infinite self-knowingness of God. One life producing infinite forms of itself. You could call it God, or if that word doesn't work for you and hearkens to old images, then you could call it the Spirit, or you could call it divine intelligence, or the beloved, or love, or whatever name you want. You could call it the divine whatchamacallit, and it'll be just fine. It's beyond all names anywhere, and I'm quite certain that the divine doesn't particularly care what name we use, or even what path we take to know it. If it did, it would need therapy. And I'm very clear that God doesn't need therapy. We may, but God doesn't. One life, one power, one presence. Animating itself as all things, and yet transcending all things. But everywhere is the divine, expressing in some level of intelligence and livingness. One power, one life. And that then brings us to to the next key truth. And that is that since there's only this one life that is forming everything out of its intelligence and its energy, much as the quantum physicists suggest that there's an an infinite potentiality uh, and that that matter isn't ultimately real, it's it's that matter emerges out of a field of consciousness and potentiality and energy. And in that same way, then everything has to be carrying the essence of the spirit. It's formed of the essence of the spirit. And so there's nothing that the divine could have used to make you or me other than itself. Some aspect of its love and its intelligence and its energy. So the the key of this is that the integrity and the eternality of the divine is the nucleus of your being. The integrity and eternality of the divine is the nucleus of your being. So what that is saying is that all beings are spiritual beings, ultimately. Even the ones you don't like, by the way. All are made after the image and likeness of the divine. And all of us are in a pathway of realizing that and becoming self-realized and masterful in the expression of that which we truly are, born of that one life and that one spirit. Now, the caveat in all of this and, and the rub in this is that as spiritual beings made in the image of the creator, we're designed to be creators, and we do that in the field of thought. And so every one of us has authority in the kingdom of our mind. And so what you do there, the assumptions you absorb, the decisions you make, the interpretations and judgments and choices begin to form a framework of your reality. And so every one of us, though our true nature is spirit and light and truth, we have fabricated and been acculturated into fabricating an identity that is far from that. And it's usually based on separation. We have come to assume that since our perception can't see this invisible oneness tying it all together, that we're separate. We're separate from one another. We're separate from creation. We're separate from our source. And out of that separation is born fear and a sense of inadequacy. 
And so what happens is that in the creativity of our thought, we fabricate a false identity and we live it out constantly and constantly until the day of our awakening to the truth of that which we are. We live out that false identity. It has become known in psychology as the ego. The ego that is energized by fear and inadequacy and a deep and profound sense of separation. And that fearful ego reaps havoc in our lives, enormous havoc in our lives. So I I, I love it that in Ecclesiastes, that's a book in the Bible, you know, in Ecclesiastes, it says, God has made humans upright, but we have sought out many inventions. Are you living out an invented self, a self stamped by your sense of your past, your ownership of certain limits, the psychological labels that have been plastered upon you? Are you living out of that? out of fear, out of a sense of not enoughness, there's something more for us. There's a deeper identity of truth for us to discover. And it's the key to our freedom. It's the key to healing. It's the key to resolving anything that has ever been on your path, however painful it ever may have been. It's to know the you that is strong and is of light and is of truth that can be an elixir that's a balm upon a hurting heart or or, or that sense of longing to do more. It's all the breath of the Spirit within. Sogyal Rinpoche, uh, who uh, wrote uh, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, he said, two people have been living in you all your life. One is the ego, garrulous, demanding, hysterical, calculating, The other is the hidden spiritual being whose still voice of wisdom you have only rarely heard or attended to. Now's the time to attend to every sacred one of us really is. That brings us to our topic for this first first edition here of this wonderful series, and that is rising above divisiveness and strife, or divisiveness, as some would say. I like divisiveness. Tomatoes, tomatoes, who cares? Rising above divisiveness and strife. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that currently enormous divisiveness uh, is being experienced in our country and in our communities. It seems like there's a toxic clash of extreme ideas battling one another. And, and it's a painful thing to experience, am I right? And, and, and we worry about the well-being of our country. Here we have the capacity to be collaborating, but we're colliding when it really comes down to it. And so how can these spiritual basics help us rise above that and maybe even be part of an answer for that? Well, I think one of the first things to understand is that when systems break down, transformation is breaking out. That there is a transformational process unfolding here. And if there's anything that we need to realize about these times from a spiritual perspective, it is that we are seeing the full-blown, toxic, and limiting expression of egoic dominance. We're seeing the whirlwind 
of limitation and pain and estrangement that is created by an ego that is run amok, that level of consciousness that is run amok. And we're invited then to see if we're ready for something new, if we're ready to become heart-centered rather than head-centered, if we're ready to become spiritually activated rather than egoically driven beings. That's what we can do to not only remake our world, but also to be the foundation for transformed lives, to move to that something within us that is so much greater. We are called to a greater spiritual maturity, I believe. And I believe that the faiths of the future, the evolving faiths, and I believe science, mind, and spirit is among them, evolving faiths will no longer ever proclaim that they're the only way. Evolving faiths will no longer disregard the earth or discriminate against peoples, whether they're women or whether they're minorities or LGBTQ people or any peoples. Evolving faiths will no longer take a position of presumed superiority, but will see the unity of all beings and will work for the well-being of all people everywhere, especially our children. Evolving faiths. And I tell you what, evolving faiths will realize and let go of the old habit of ideological bantering and brainwashing and, and institutional power-mongering. And evolving faiths will instead dedicate themselves to linking people to their God source so that they might reveal their spiritual magnificence and help create a world that works for everyone. That's what the evolving faiths will do. The rest will be caught in the backwash of human evolution. And in saying that then, I would suggest that we have a personal responsibility in that. And our personal responsibility is to finally take ownership of our inner world and not just be knee-jerk reactions happening over and over again, but to be awakened consciously and to take a look at what's going on and where we're coming from in our inner world. This is the greater maturity, spiritual maturity, that I believe we're being called to embrace, especially now. You see, it's time for us to go beyond just a spirituality of beliefs to an active, engaged, embodied spirituality that we cultivate daily, that isn't just out of sight, out of mind, or once a week, but that is something that we know is our most precious commodity, our greatest gift, and the inward healing and empowerment we've sought outside of ourselves. It's time to go from just having beliefs I mean, beliefs in a buck might get you a cup of coffee, but it's not going to transform your life. The beliefs need to be integrated and become that which we're expressing and practicing and to compassionately acknowledge when we fall short of that and get back into coming from the place that I'm a spiritual being. I'm one with all other beings. I have a new way of seeing and perceiving. It's time for that. I believe it's also time, as we take personal responsibility, I think it's time for us to acknowledge that the times when we react viciously or aggressively or angrily or villainize anyone, that those experiences are actually mirroring to us elements waiting to be healed within us. 
that it's a healing process for us. We make it about them. But it's actually revealing something. And in coming installments of this, we'll talk about the shadow element of ourselves that very often comes up for us to resolve and to bring light into that. But I have seen so many times in my life where my struggle or my pain was really showing me elements for continued healing. And that my reactions against others or things that have happened very often were showing me parts of me to heal. I mean, there may have been things to be spoken about that were important. And yet the, the energetic multiplied by the many, many people out there in this world creates this sea of animosity and divisiveness and strife when in many respects we've got to start the healing process within ourselves. So in this series, I'm going to repeat over and over uh, a recommendation that we look at having a dynamic vision and deeper roots. That the way to rise above, whatever it is, and we're going to deal with a bunch of stuff, is dynamic vision and deeper roots. Got to have that dynamic vision. That's one thing they're going to work on uh, in a life that works, is it being very clear, crystal clear about the vision that we hold for our, each of our lives. So that we can be pulled by that vision, not just pushed by pain. So we need a dynamic vision. And as we take in what's going on in the world, we can either be pulled into that swamp or we can acknowledge what's going on, but also cultivate and empower and activate our vision. Having, having a much stronger vision for what humanity can be and what each of us can be as a part of that. And then when we speak to issues, it comes from a whole different energy. We speak not getting pulled into the battlefield, the polarized, angry exchanges, but we speak about the possibilities that we know can happen for individuals. We, we speak of the healing. We speak of the goodness. We speak of what's possible. While we're also saying that what's going on may not be just, is less than what's possible. Still, we're really about a higher vision. We're championing an emerging world and a vision for all people. And we must never let that vision waver, no matter what goes on in our lives or in the world. Dynamic vision, you have that. What a great time to start cultivating that. Along then with deeper roots. That's the empowerment that comes from not just having a few beliefs that matter to you, but having spiritual practices that anchor you in that reality, that bring you home, that, that turn up the wick of the light of your being. Those practices, whether it's prayer or meditation or the things that we teach around here, are so important. You see, spiritual maturity is not about more information, more sophisticated information. Spiritual maturity is about greater practice of what we already know, making it real, taking it into our hearts, engaging the parts of us that are not congruent with it when, when we understand them, and aligning ourselves with that truth so that we really show up in that more powerful way. Really, when you put those two together, the vision and the deeper roots, what you find is what I would recommend for today's topic about the divisiveness and strife. Really, it's our possibility is about presencing oneness. Not just thinking about it or believing it, but presencing oneness. A little while, our kids are going to come out and they're going to sing, um, You Are the Face of God. 
and they'll sign it for us. And it's in a way, moving through this life, seeing the face of God in all, and, and presencing a quality and an energy born of who we really are, not these frightened egos scraping for our piece of the pie or for a little safety, but that we're inspired, enriched, trusting, and powerful spiritual beings, presencing oneness. So I want to leave us today with three aspects of this that I think are really important. And the first one is everyday awakening. I know about those habits with seniority, and, and I also know that we are, we've all been wired in a, in a certain level of human consciousness that intrinsically has believed in separation and fear for so long. And if we don't acknowledge that we're all infected by that, then the trance of that will continue to run our lives. So everyday awakening is about daily deciding that I'm going to come out of the trance of separation and acknowledge that I live, move, and have my very being in the infinite source. It will guide me, it will inspire me, it will heal me, it will show the way. It is the love within me that I can exude into this world. We awaken. We awaken and we come out of the fog of limitation daily. I recommend starting and ending your day with that awakening. And we'll teach you how to do it here. And it's available every day to awaken out of the egoic self into the light of the truth of your being. Secondly, I think it's very important that we be willing to embrace honest self-examination. You know, this is kind of a rigorous path. It's really not for sissies, quite frankly. It's a rigorous path in that we know we have constantly the work to do upon ourselves. But we do it in a very loving way. And yet we know that it's important for us to not blind ourselves to what's right in front of us to take care of. And so this is coming out of our self-righteousness and our vindictiveness, all products of a hurting ego, and having awakened daily to look at where have I, where have I villainized someone? How, how have, who have I villainized yesterday or this past week? Who have I set outside of my heart? And, and how could I show up today a little brighter? How could I show up more authentically to my spiritual nature? How could I let my light shine this day? And to lovingly release what was as the training ground for what can be this day. And in that honest self-examination, to be even more congruent, owning the truth of who we are. Everyday awakening. Honest self-examination. And then finally, courageous compassion. And this is then going out into our world and seeing others, every other, as our equal, even if they're different. Seeing that even those who are struggling still carry the sacred light within them. And loving and blessing them. And, and serving, not out of a sense of their inadequacy, but out of their beauty and their greatness. A courageous compassion. Now you, you weave these together, that willingness to wake up every day, not just from our slumber, but wake up from our spiritual slumber. Wake up from our unawareness. And then examining the stuff that needs to be released and healed and, so that we're clean and out there. 
and then the compassion that we can bring to the world. That's our part. That's the part that we all can play as we cultivate this wonderful thing called our awareness and our compassion. And it is so beautiful when the reality of the divine presence touches our heart so profoundly. I want to close with a letter that I received a couple of years ago from a member here. It touches me every time I read it. She wrote me over 10 years of strict parochial schooling, countless confessions and masses, fairly well tainted any truly positive relationship I could have had with God. It seemed every time I searched for God's understanding and acceptance, the church had roadblocks to getting there with its unrelenting dogma. Unreasonable and unbending perspectives of how best to be good in God's eyes, manipulation by way of guilt, and the constant overshadowing feeling that no matter what you did, you would never be enough in God's eyes to matter. It was a horrible way to spend childhood and my adolescent years. Later in this letter, she told me of how at one point later on, the church refused to marry her and her fiancé after their child was born. And she said, This slammed shut my faith in the church like a solid steel door. Well, it just so happens that she uh, worked with a man who's a member here of Mile High. And he would often share. Now, you know, one thing we don't do around here is proselytize. But he did share. And, and there's nothing wrong with sharing the beauty of what's going on in your life in an open way. And he shared. And then over time, something began to touch her. And at one point she said, you know, I'll go with you one Sunday. If we can sit in the back row, I will go with you. And so she did, and she had a breakthrough experience of the divine. And her letter concludes, It was a very challenging time in my personal life, and I really needed spiritual stability more than ever before. Bless you for giving me what I thought was never possible. The peace of knowing that I am loved. Do you know that? That you are loved because you're a product of infinite love. I am worthy. Do you know that? I do not need to feel guilty. Do you know that? That I am meant for a joyful life filled with love and loving. I simply cannot thank you enough for helping me revive my life, my relationships with others, and my relationship with my wonderful loving God who gives me such peace. I know this will be a continuing journey of learning to let go, flying on faith, and I intend to look for joy in every moment. That's why I keep doing this for so many years. <laughs> is that I know what this can mean. Here we are at the precipice of a new cycle. You might say it's just another day, but we make it meaningful as we see that it's the start, a seasonal start of a fresh slate And you may want to change this and do that and get more of this or more of that, but my calling is to take the next steps of deepening for you. Take it into your heart. Live it out. Practice this stuff, not as an afterthought, but as something that brings more gifts than you could ever imagine. Stay honest with yourself and let your compassion be your gift to the world. And I promise you, No matter what you're facing in terms of a problem, your life will grow so big that problem will dissolve. 
and you'll be ushered into something magnificent, grand, and new. It's time, and I believe we're ready. Let us go for it.